To set the context of chapter 6 and our context, we're talking about worship. And where we looked last week as we began this series on worship, from John chapter 4, that the Father is looking for worship. He's looking for those who will worship Him. So we learned that worship comes out of relationship. In order to worship God properly, you have to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have to have a relationship to where you are one of the sons or daughters of God. Well, then our worship is to be a response to our Father. So it's worship that views God as Father. We also saw that we are to worship in spirit. All that we are, all that God has made, all that is within us, with all of our might, with all of our strength, with our our soul, with our, our spirit, we are to worship God in spirit, and we are to worship Him in truth. And in the passage before us this morning, we'll see that balance between worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Right. David is now king over all of Israel. He has set up his capital city in Jerusalem. And David wants to move the ark of God into the city of Jerusalem. Now, the Ark of God was a rectangular box that was about four feet by a little over two feet and about two, little over two feet in height as well. In the Ark of God were the Ten Commandments. Also, there was Aaron's rod that had budded, and there was also a pot of manna there, uh, manna, the food that God provided for the Israelites when they were out in the wilderness. And the ark symbolized for the nation of Israel the presence of God. And with that presence comes the blessing of God. Something we need to remember is when we are in God's presence, we will receive of his blessing. To us. So David wants to bring this into Jerusalem so that the whole nation is being uh, blessed. And so he's making arrangements for that to occur. So follow along in the passage. David again, beginning with verse 1, David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Baal in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadad, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Aio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacor, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. 
The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez-Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. David wants to do the right thing. Bring the ark into the city of Jerusalem. But he's going to do it initially in the wrong manner, in the wrong way. Do you realize you can have a desire to do the right thing and yet do it in the wrong way? When I was in high school, I had a friend in church, and he would say to me over and over again, as he and I would debate different things that related to the Bible, and he would say to me, Butch, the only thing that really matters is that you're sincere. If you're sincere in what you believe, if you are sincere in what you do, that's all that matters. Well, Bob, I've got news for you. That's not all that matters. Certainly, we are to worship God with a sincerity. Now, our, our worship of God is to be that which is sincere. But the worship of God also has to be about the truth. See, you can sincerely think you are worshiping God, but if you are rejecting Jesus, you are not worshiping God. You can think you are being spiritual. And see, that's, that's the big buzzword today. We're spiritual, we're not Christians. But we are spiritual people. And you can be very sincere about that, but you are sincerely wrong. Because aside from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to die in your sins and spend an eternity separated from God. You can be sincere in your beliefs and follow another religion. There are sincere followers of different religions all over our world, but they are sincerely wrong because there's one and only one way to the Father, and that is through Christ. We can be sincere in how we come to worship. We can celebrate. We can come out on an a, a emotional high. But unless that worship has been done according to the Word of God, and unless that worship is done in a way that pleases God, it doesn't matter how sincere we were in that worship. David is very sincere in bringing the ark into the city, and on his first attempt, his heart is sincere in what he's doing, but he's sincerely wrong. 
And let's see what some of the problems are. I believe problem number one is David did not inquire of the Lord. See, there's a pattern established back in chapter 5. And if you look in your your Bibles at chapter 5, verse 19, before David goes to war with the Philistines, it says, and David inquired of the Lord. If you look in verse 23, when he's going to the Philistines in war a second time, it says, and David... And when David inquired of the Lord. And then down in verse 25 it said, And David did as the Lord commanded. Now, I cannot say absolutely that David did not inquire of the Lord, but I believe he did not because if he had inquired of the Lord about bringing the ark into the city of Jerusalem, God would have reminded him there's a right way to do that and there is a wrong way to do it. Secondly, they disobeyed the Lord's commands. Now notice I didn't just say David disobeyed the Lord's commands. Now I believe that David did disobey the Lord's commands. Numbers chapter 7 verses 6 to 9 tells us that the ark is to be carried. It is not to be put upon a cart. So they disobeyed. David disobeyed in the way that the ark is being brought to Jerusalem. But I also wonder, where are the priests in all of this? Where are the religious leaders, those who teach the law? They should have known, you don't put the ark on a cart. What about the people of the nation of Israel who would have heard the law read someone should have remembered this is not how we move the ark so I think there is guilt for many about the ark and and we kind of get upset at least let me let me say in the past when I originally read this passage of scripture I kind of think God's being a little cruel here I kind of feel for for Uzzah. He's coming along with the ark of God. The oxen stumble. The ark is going to fall. He reaches up to steady it. And the next thing he knows, he's in heaven. Because God struck him dead. Now, there are examples throughout Scripture of God striking people Uh, dead. Uh, One, Lot's wife. She was commanded not to look back at the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. She looks back, God turns her into a pillar of salt. We have the story of Abihu and Nadab, the sons of Aaron, the high priest, who brought strange fire fire that was not approved by God, into the worship of God, and God strikes them dead. Uh, We go into the New Testament, and we have Ananias and Sapphira lying to God and lying to the Holy Spirit, and God strikes them dead. Now, first of all, let me say, I'm glad this is not a normative practice in Scripture. That whenever anybody disobeys the Lord, the Lord just strikes them dead. Because if that were the case, none of us would be here this morning, right? Because we've all disobeyed the Lord. 
in some ways. But there are particular times, and there are other situations, just a few others in Scripture, where God strikes people dead, and God always is making a point when He does this, and I think He's making a point to the nation of Israel that you must obey Me and do what I say, and when you're doing something, if I've prescribed a method for it, you need to follow that. The ark was to be carried. Whenever they would move it, they would wrap it in in cloth several times over to protect the ark. And Uzzah, as, as the ark is going to fall, he reaches up. And it's an irreverent act before God. Now something I noticed this week that I hadn't really noticed as much before is that Uzzah was related to Abinadab. And the ark had been in Abinadad's home. So he would have known the great care that needed to be taken as related to the ark. And, you know, I believe in all likeliness, Uzzah did not mean this as an irreverent act. He's trying to save the ark, but nonetheless, it goes against what God has said, and God has said that the ark was not to be touched. And it all goes back to they're transporting it the wrong way. Now, why did they do it that way? I'm not sure. I do know in the history of the ark, that the ark had fallen into the hands of the Philistines. You know, the Israelites were, were disobeying the Lord. They were in a battle. They were losing. And so they called for the ark to be brought out to the battlefield. They thought it would be just a good luck charm for them. It would cause them to, to win the battle. Well, it didn't work that way. Not only did they lose, the Philistines got the ark of God. Well, the Philistines took it, and it was nothing but trouble for them. Their people got sick, they were dealing with diseases, they put it in before their gods, and their gods would topple over uh, before the ark. So they said, we've got to get rid of this ark. And so they put it on a cart and put two milk cows in front of the ark, and the ark went directly, the cows headed directly to Israel. So maybe it's because... They had taken the ark off a cart when it had come back to them. That someone said, you know what, that's a whole lot easier, you know, to take this thing up to, to Jerusalem to have it on a cart as opposed to us carrying it. Somehow God just overlooked this and he's going to make everything okay and everything will be all right. And when it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out, you get upset. Not only is David angry, David's afraid. Look at verse 9. It says, And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? David expected blessing. Instead, there's death by Uzzah. How can I even get the ark into the city of Jerusalem? How can it ever come there? He's afraid. And then David becomes stubborn. Look at it in verse 10. 
So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. The right thing to bring it there for blessing for the whole nation. David says, I'm not going to do it. This may be what God wants. I'm just not going to do it. You ever been there in your personal life? Where you know there's something that God wants you to do? But you get a hardened heart and you get stubborn and you say to God, you know, I'll show you, God, I'm not going to do that. Well, I would ask you, how'd that work out for you? Or I would say to you, if that's your attitude right now, how is that working out for you? Because my guess is not very well. In this particular case, God is not harsh with with David at all. All that God does is bless the house of Obed-Edom. Look at it, verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. Obed-Edom, the Gittite, he's a priest, so he is watching over the ark, and the Lord blesses him and all of his household. And for three months, it's reported to David, oh, this is how God's blessing here. God's blessing Obed-Edom. God's blessing Obed-Edom. God's blessing Obed-Edom. And so as David sees all that blessing going on, he says, hey, I want that for the whole nation. I want that for the city. I want that for my household as well. And so now he's going to do the right thing the right way. Follow with me. Beginning with verse 12. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Now notice what's happening this time. This time it's being carried, not on a cart. He's doing the right thing the right way. And every six steps they take, he stops and he makes a sacrifice to God. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. The right thing the right way. And it results in blessing. Now, I want you to notice that David, as he is worshiping in spirit, all that he is, we've seen how it has to be according to truth, according to the word of God. Now David is worshiping in spirit, all that he is. And what's he doing? He's jumping around, he's twirling, he's dancing before God as the ark is coming in to the city. David is celebrating before God. And in our worship, there's a place for celebrating. Actually, the word celebrating, which is found in verse 5 of this chapter, and then again in verse 21, is a word that has the root meaning from smiling from joy. 
it is okay for us to enjoy the Lord. Now, we're going to see in the passage as well that David does this before the Lord. That's repeated. Before the Lord. Before the Lord. David's focus is on God, not on those around him. And that's how it should be in our worship. That we come together and we worship before the Lord so that the focus is on the Lord. See, sometimes we fall in love with the celebration. I know we intend well and we mean well. We go out of the service and say, boy, wasn't that great worship this morning? Well, and maybe we mean it, but really what we should be saying wasn't that great in our worship of God this morning. So that the focus is on God and not on us as individuals and not on just a celebration or an emotional high. Now certainly our emotions come into play when we worship God in spirit, but it's not just about some emotional high. Our worship needs to be about our God and focused on Him. And David is focused on God, and out of that flows his expressions of praise as he does the right thing the right way. Well, I need to hurry on here. So the next thing I want us to see is the right thing but a bad attitude. Verse 16, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Now Michael's married to David. And Michael is upset because David has shed his outer kingly robes, bringing the ark into the city, and he's jumping around and he's dancing before the Lord, and Michael doesn't think that's distinguished enough for a king. And she thinks he has debased himself in the presence of the all of Israel. And so she is critical and she is upset. Now we're going to skip over some verses. Uh, David goes into the city. They put the ark into the tent that was prepared for it. And then David, they have a big celebration. And David wants to bless everybody in Israel. So I believe they had a feast there. And they give food to everybody. Food to everybody to take home. It's okay to celebrate together as God's people. Jump down to me, verse 20. And David returned to bless his family. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out and met David and said, so what's David's intention? He's blessed the nation. Now he wants to go home and bless his family. He's looking for a time of celebration together with his family. He probably has gifts for everybody, and this is going to be a wonderful time. And Michael meets him and says, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. 
Think Michael has a critical spirit? Think she's unhappy with what's happened? And I have to believe that this was the general character of Michael. As we read about her throughout Scripture and reading between the lines, that she was the critic. She looks at everything, nothing pleases her, and she's angry with all sorts of things, and she criticizes everything. And I really believe that because of the response that David gives her. Notice down in verse 21, and it says, David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. That's kind of like touche. Hey, Michael, let me remind you of something. God didn't choose your father. He chose me. God didn't choose any of your brothers. He chose me. And he says, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And then he says to her, or then the passage says, and Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now what seems to be implied there is David no longer has physical relations with his wife, Michael. Now I'm not going to discuss this morning, and there's not time here, to discuss whether this was a right or wrong decision by David. I mean, we do know David has eight other wives, and so I think kind of David's attitude is, I don't have to put up with this attitude from you, Michael. I'm done with you. Now look, this is not prescriptive, husbands and wives, how you're to deal with one another. Even if your mate has a, has a, a critical type spirit, this is, not, this is a discussion for another day. And I think what the passage is telling us, this is what David does. He's through with the critic. It comes to the point he doesn't want to hear it anymore. Now let's make a, a couple quick applications here for us this morning. Number one, we need to worship God in truth. He needs to be worshipped according to his word. Number two, he needs to be worshipped in spirit. And those two go hand in hand with one another. Number three, if you have a critical spirit, if you have set yourself up as judge and jury over everybody's expressions of worship, get rid of that critical spirit. Get rid of it. God didn't set you up as judge and jury over everybody else's expressions. But then, if you are criticized for your expression of worship, make sure that your expression is according to the Scriptures. And if you are in line with 
the scriptures, if you're aligned with God, that's all that really matters. That's all that really matters.